Hello, hello. Hi, everyone. This is Ricky, and welcome back again to another episode of Gray Matters. I feel like that's like the thousandth time I've said that. Probably not thousand. I don't know. What episode number are we on, Charmaine? Oh, girl, we're not on a thousand. Hi. (laughs) Hi, everyone. Charmaine here. I I like that, Ricky. Um, I like your, you know, welcome back to another episode of Gray Matters. That's our intro now. You know, I think that's, that's a good intro. Um, Yeah, we're getting close to episode 100. I don't think this is quite 100. Um, But we're getting close to 100 now. If we remember way back when, when we were a baby podcast, we were (laughs) recording and releasing like boom, 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 like I don't know how many a week. And we had like a bunch of special episodes and like, so Mm -hmm. on book clubs, we weren't actually numbering them starting season two, I think is when we started numbering each episode, unless there was like something in between. Um, So I know that at this point we have more than a hundred. So I mm-hmm. think that's why I'm kind of like, oh, wow, we we have we have so much content, y'all. Like there's so much stuff for you to go through. I, we were just laughing about how at the start of like, you know, we started launched the podcast in 2020, even though we had been talking about it for a while. But we had, oh, my God, we just had so much content like we could not get enough of recording. And, you know, I think I think we've learned the podcast podcasting mode a little bit and I think we're a little bit uh more casual in the conversations of course as you are you know if you listen to anybody from season one to like season four which is where we're in now it's going to be different hopefully um with some evolution but yeah do you remember Ricky we had so many ideas we were we we were a lot of ideas we had a google sheet color-coded split in half we sure did I mean we still have it we still have we it. still have it but and we haven't gone as, through all of them no we haven't and yeah it's not, it's not as 50 ideas every day it's more like I think our evolution I think we had to start like that because we had to lay the foundation for the type of podcast this is and we had to let people know our backgrounds of where we came from. And if we're talking about things like in this episode now, if we're talking about theory and things like that, and you don't really know where we come from, our backgrounds and different things like that, you're going to be lost. You're going to be like, oh, what's happening? Is this like a yeah. science podcast? Is this a, <laughs> is this a TV podcast? And the question, the answer is that it's all of the above. We're, we're all of the above over here. Um, we're great. Yeah, we're gray. That's why we had so much, I think, bigger starting it because there wasn't really a podcast having the conversations that we wanted to have. And of course, over three years, right, the podcast world has exploded even more. It's like, boom, everywhere. But I think that we still embark on this gray area journey, right, that we have where we're not we're not just a movie podcast, a media podcast, a theory podcast. We're kind of all of the above. Um, and I hope we can still, like, as the journey goes on, we can still evolve. Like, I know, oh, my gosh, girl, I can't even think about where I was, like, three years ago. That's kind of scary. Like, it's like it's so like, much has happened, but, like, so much. Yeah. So well, many. and I think, yes, 
exactly right. So much and so little has happened simultaneously. I think that also we were so um fresh with the mm-hmm. rage of MWGS knowledge. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, multicultural women and gender studies. If you hear that, you'll hear WGS, MWGS a lot. That's what that means, women in gender studies. Um, we just had so much because we were like really in the thick of it. And we were having these conversations day to day in the classroom that we wanted to bring to outside the classroom, hence this podcast. Mm -hmm. And guess what? I just pulled up our um, podcast episode roster, which of course, Mm -hmm. you know, there's only two of us. Y'all know this by now. Um, We got to, you know, do the bookkeeping um, and the organization and the admin and all of that. But I pulled that up and this is episode 100. (gasps) So, woo woo. Yeah. Welcome to episode I knew we were close 100. to it. Yeah. 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 We're, we're close to it, but we're here. Yeah. Like three years later, here we are. We're at episode 100. Like, officially. Celebration. Officially. Little hand claps, little celebration. And I think this is the perfect episode. People are like, what is the episode about? Oh, what yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I think you're right, Ricky. This is the perfect episode. Because we've been talk about to it. talk about this since the yep. beginning, but we were like, no, we're not going to talk about it now. Like, we want to make sure we have, like, a good foundation on it. And then, like, but now I feel like now that we are not just academics, but we're, like, educators now, too, in the classroom. And we're engaging with these conversations outside, like, on the podcast, right, but also in our classrooms, that we have a little bit more of an outlet to have this conversation now. And a lot is going on to where we yeah. have it now. Yeah, absolutely. So Texas. we, oh, yes, especially in Texas. So um, we are talking about, this episode is, we're we're talking, okay, let's just, let's get it out there. Let's tell them. We're talking about critical race theory. Mm-hmm. Um, dun, dun, dun. I feel like I need to do that. Mm. Um Right. So we're talking about CRT as it's commonly known. Um, but we're we're doing it a little bit differently. If you if you want a CRT like theory heavy episode where we delve into the theory, let us know. Um, but we're talking about it slightly through more of an educator lens and through this conversation that is happening um around CRT and DEI also uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion, um, and how these conversations are kind of simultaneously happening, but also um, the backlash, or I don't know, like this created backlash by right-wing conservatives um, against the study of CRT and against DEI initiatives. And so we kind of want to talk about it through this lens and Mm -hmm. add, add more, Ricky, if you think I'm missing something. No, no, that that's what we're going to talk about. And I think we're going to apply it to what's going on in the world around us, right? Because I think when you study this theory, sometimes when you learn about theory, it's hard to connect it with what's going on to make it applicable outside of the classroom, outside of like, I, I, I don't, it's hard to explain unless you take a theory class like feminist theory womanist theory different things like that and you're sitting in class and you're like okay great but how do I apply what I just learned in here to what's going on out there in the world and I think um I think that the way that we go about doing that is 
not just talking about the theory, like Charmaine said. Um, we can talk about the theory if y'all want. Please let us know. I'll get all into it. Listen, I just taught a class on on CRT this past semester, and I'm going to teach one in the fall. So listen, I can pull out my professor notes and give y'all a full 411 about CRT, the history, and like how it's progressed and where it is now. So if y'all want that, let us know. But for this episode, we're going to have a more applicable approach so that it's also understandable for our listeners that don't come from um, kind of this social justice theory background who don't come from an academic background to understand what we mean when we say critical race theory what we mean when we say diversity equity and inclusion and why these topics are being debated and why they're being targeted and why they why some believe they're essential to the future of our world our society to the U.S. specifically because we're going to talk about the U.S. because that's where we are for those who don't know we are in the U.S. we are in Texas um and and why and what's the future of these topics right and how can we look at a future where CRT and DI can be used in context to where they aren't being threatened to right. where there's not this fear because okay this is going to be my life for those who don't know I teach a leadership course it's called heart styles whatever ever I'll go into all of that but one of our core beliefs is that most of our ineffective behavior comes out of fear right so most behavior comes out of fear. Why do some people fear CRT? Why do some people fear DEI? And where, where, what is the root of that fear? Where does that fear come from? Is it a misunderstanding? Is it a fear of power shifts? Is it a fear of losing one's power? Where does that fear come from? And I think understanding that will help us understand the future and where we need to go um yeah whether it's more knowledge whether it's greater resources whether it's more conversations like we're having a conversation right now whatever needs to happen so that we don't have this constant cycle of events happening in our society because crt is not new crt has been around it has been targeted and many different time points in our society. So this is not a new phenomenon. Yeah. Um, I think that is important to realize that CRT is not new. It's not new at all. You can find very old books about yeah. CRT. Well, and I think you're right, like that fear towards it is not new, right? Mm-hmm. Like before there mm-hmm. was like so much backlash to affirmative action. That was a big thing in like the 90s and to early 2000s, I feel, where like affirmative action is being targeted. And I think it's important to recognize that um, at its core, like, mm-hmm. so as as both of us, I was introduced to CRT, and correct me if I'm wrong, I, I, I feel like we talked about this, Ricky, where we were both introduced to CRT, critical race theory. Um, sometimes shortening, it just feels hateful. I don't know why. So I'm probably just going to say critical race theory, but mm-hmm. um, we were introduced to it in grad school. And I remember mm-hmm. it was my first semester in um graduate school at TWU 
and I took a course, which was a phenomenal course. Um, um, and I was introduced to a bunch of really amazing texts, but, um, one of them was the intro to critical race theory. And, um, the other one that I think is really great as well. It's worth noting here is, uh, called racism without racist colorblind racism and the persistence of racial inequity in America, uh, by Eduardo Bonilla Silva. So we'll link to both of these, um, on our resources page on our website, you know, where to find all that. Um, but I think that this, so much of, of the hate and the rhetoric around hate is rooted in misunderstanding. And I think connecting to what you were saying about fear, Ricky, a lot of that fear is also rooted in misinformation. It's rooted in disinformation and it's deeply rooted in racist practices. I think that like racist bigotist practices at its core and so much of what our country is, is rooted in those things. And yeah. I think that acknowledging those very things is what people are, they don't want to do. They, it's like, you know, they don't want to say the quiet parts out loud. They don't want to acknowledge it because it would break down uh, what some people believe are systemic uh, like privileges that they hold. And it's really hard for people to acknowledge that. And I think this also connects to our previous episode that we just released um, shortly before this one um, at the start of pride month, June, um, about the kind of backlash to companies or how companies are pulling uh, pride merchandise and the backlash to that. And so much of that is also rooted in fear, fear from the companies that they're going to, you know, it's going to impact their bottom line so much so that they're giving into bigotry and hate. And I think that's what so much of, of this conversation is doing as well. And if we look specifically, um, which is what we're going to delve into a little bit more today is about the legislative uh, components to this and, and, you know, how, um, recently texas uh passed uh i'm sorry florida passed uh hb house bill 1557 that notorious don't say gay bill um, mm -hmm. i'm going to link to a couple of really great articles and sources about that uh texas uh lawmakers recently um, found consensus on the bill uh banning diversity equity and inclusion um offices in public universities and again these are public universities throughout the entire state that offer a variety of surface services. The The whole point of diversity, equity, and inclusion is to offer services to people who need it. Um, and the fear mongering and disinformation around these uh, programs is just, I mean, it's, it's gotten us to this point where now um, at public universities, you know, they're aiming to dismantle these types of programs. So I, I have so much more to say about that, but I'm just going to pause right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I feel like people don't understand. Am I using the right word? The gravity, the grab, whatever that word is. I, I'm losing words. But the yeah, impact, gravity, brevity. Yeah. Yes. The impact that this is have, having like, Let's sit down and think. Let's have a conversation. DEI offices on public universities do a number of things, right? They do a number of things. When I first got to UNT, I was part of the multicultural program um, that they had on campus, and they paired you off with a mentor um, on campus. Um, and I became a mentor, and my mentee, um, who I'm still friends with, she um, 
she was a student from Bangladesh. So she wasn't like used to the U.S. She wasn't used to anything here. So having someone like myself, right, mentor her was super important. They called it like the buddy system program. And with the program, you also got like scholarships too and like incentives. And so there's so there's programs like that who you get rid of DEI, magically it's disappeared. Like so there's there's that on like more of a relational level, more of like a person to person relatable level. But then as you go up, DEI also does diversity, equity, and inclusion training for employees, right? Or for, for recruiters, for people who are on search committees, right? They do training for people who are on search committees. So what does this mean? There's a large reality that academia is a whitewashed space. There's a history of academia being for people from a certain background, people of a certain race, people of a certain gender, right? People of a certain identity. And we have tried, we are trying to break those barriers and allow more people from different backgrounds into academic spaces. Well, to allow more people into those academic spaces, there's some sort of training needed to overcome your own biases, to overcome your own insights about certain groups of people, and also to understand how to be more inclusive in your hiring practices, how to be more inclusive in your hiring practices, which would ultimately lead to more inclusivity for your students. Because for those who don't know about grad school, right, you have to have a faculty member that understands your research in order to make it through grad school, especially at a PhD level. Like for me, I'm studying Black women in the media. One would think, oh, that's super easy. But hey, I'm in a program where there's not a Black woman. I'm on a campus where it's hard to find a Black woman. I have no Black women on my dissertation committee, not by choice. I'm going to say this wow. again, it's not my choice, right? Yeah. And you see that because of the lack of knowledge, the lack of resources, there's the fact that like if you don't have a DNI person to tell you, hey, maybe we need to be more competitive in our pay so that we could have more more representation um, in our faculty and in our staff. Because if we keep at our pay at a certain level, only certain people are going to be able to come here and move here and work here, right? So that there's that's ever, hey, maybe we need to open up our our requirements to not be so limiting to to certain people from this background because this background it has a largely this type of audience right or this type of membership right so if we open it up it'll provide more people to come in right if we don't have someone who is going to think about all that we regurgitate the same practices yeah well representation because, matters right yes. like we there's countless studies showing why it's important to have representation and i mean we've talked about this before, but academia is called the ivory tower for a reason. Like it's still not exactly. an equitable place. It's not, it's not. I tell people all the time, most of your professors of color, most of your professors that are women 
are probably adjuncts. We're adjuncts and we're at the bottom of the totem pole of this large chain that's up there, right? And DEI is so, it does so much, right? It's the programs where it supports the BSU. For those who don't know, that's the Black Student Union. It supports the non, is it called non-panhelic? I think non-panhelic fraternities and sororities. So those are your fraternities and sororities that don't, that are like Black-led and, and Hispanic, Latinx-led and um and Asian and all, yeah Asian. all of the all of the the groups right so like the Asian American so, <laughs> yeah the the Hispanic Students Association the Asian American Students yes. Association your yes. MSAs out there your Muslim yes. Student Associations yeah yes. absolutely all of that is funneled funneled or gets funneled through DEI right and and I think people don't realize that I don't know why people don't realize that on a campus is that it it all happens there like right there all of the celebrations right if there's a black history month celebration on campus which provides more insights into like the meaning of black history month and why it's important whatever whatever it's all funneled through di so if we get rid of that where did that where does that leave us and also these are people's jobs like people like Charmaine and I who have dedicated their academic careers to studying DEI to studying critical race theory to studying social justice initiatives are without a job they don't have jobs where are they gonna go if every Texas public university has banned di where where are they gonna go so i think people don't i think people don't think about that they're like people living in fear are just like i've seen so many things oh we're gonna teach our children to hate hate themselves oh my gosh so all white people should go around in self-loathing and oh my gosh it's gonna it's gonna dismantle the educational system all of these different things if well, you're constantly so. living in that, yeah, you don't see the other side of things. Okay, don't my soapbox. Um, no, that's, I think it's, well, you're right. And that perspective is so rooted in fear. It's so mm-hmm. rooted in hate. And um, and I say that's rooted in hate because it is. That very idea that we are going to divide our nation. It's like the same dog whistling that when like President Obama became president and people were, um well, often conservative racists were um, like opposing him. It was often, well, we never had a race divide until he came in office. And that kind of dog whistling Mm -hmm. is indicative of the deeply rooted divide that we have always had in this nation. From the start, Mm -hmm. the inception of this nation was rooted in oppression and genocide and Mm -hmm. in in bloodlust, right? So we can't deny that. And and that just denying it is not going to make that not the truth. So I think that's something else that's really important that critical race theory does is it acknowledges and allows us to analyze the systems of oppression and allows us to look at these things from a critical lens, not teaching them or not like acknowledging them, acknowledging them as such is not going to make them go away. It's Mm -hmm. not going to fix everything. It's just going to do what the people who are legislating to dismantle these programs in states like Florida and Texas, and I mean, other states as well, 
they know what they're doing. They're using that hateful rhetoric and that vitriol to further create that divide, to further promote white hegemony, to do all of these things that are very harmful to everybody in society, including white people, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that's really, really important to address and acknowledge. And of course, I mean, I know we've said this before and we'll say it again in this episode, like I will remind y'all that critical race theory is not taught in schools, that critical race theory is not an indoctrinated ideology. It's, it's, that's rooted in fear mongering and hate. Um, Just as, um, you know, uh, Florida's don't say gay law, uh, which it's really interesting how this law is worded because it is worded to discriminate. It is worded Mm -hmm. to further exclude people. It is worded to perpetuate oppression that we thought we had overcome. And, you know, Florida's a a big state. Texas is a huge state. And um, it's, it's really, it's, it's really interesting how this will play out. I mean, it's very scary. Um, I've been seeing, and if you're an educator, please weigh in on this. I've been seeing, um, you know, trying to follow this online and, and see how educators are feeling and specifically those working um, in public universities, publicly funded universities, where this, uh, you know, legislation is going to impact. I want to say impact period or impact the most, but I almost feel like it's impact first because they're not going to stop there, right? It's always going to continue. So um, I read something by an educator who was saying that they will change the verbiage. So the work will continue. It just may not be called DEI anymore or it'll, you know, take different terminology or kind of adapt and evolve into a new life. But I almost, I understand the necessity of doing that, of course, but I almost wonder then, is it DEI then, right? Like if you call it something else, it becomes something else. And if you are, I don't know, I just, I like, I looking, I mean, I haven't, I don't know the intricacies of this legislative bill inside and out. I haven't like, you know, all the legal jargon haven't really delved into that, but I really do wonder um, how that's going to play out in the university and the school level. I have looked at House Bill 1557 um, a little bit deeper um, because it's it's been out for a little bit longer, but um, it's, it's pretty intense. Like the way that you know, I think that I don't think the term gay is mentioned in that bill at all, from what I remember. Um, but obviously, we know what it's trying to say, right? And so I think it's the same thing with DEI. Are they going to make the verbiage in a way that you can't, you can't engage in that work? And I think, you know, that's, of course, really scary. So I don't know if slightly changing it or slightly changing the verbiage is even going to allow us to continue to do the work. For me, I just think we're tiptoeing. It's like you've got to tiptoe around and tiptoeing isn't going to get you radical change. It's not going to get the change that we need to like to address these big issues that we have. You know, like most public universities in Texas are PWIs. Mm-hmm. That's an issue. And also, I'm like, where does the HBCUs in Texas play in this? Like, are you going to have an HBCU that doesn't have a DEI oh, program? Yeah. Like, are you yeah. seriously going to have an HBCU that doesn't have a DEI program? 
Like, are you, are you kidding me? That that's a joke. That's, that's a joke. Like, I'm just like, how does this all play? I don't, I just, I just don't, I don't, yeah. I don't understand how this is all going to play out. I feel because I have lots of friends that have worked, you know, they got their PhDs to work in these fields and they're trying to do work for marginalized communities on campus to get more marginalized students onto campuses and I honestly it's it's just going to lead to a lot of people leaving Texas which is not what we need like we need people we need more people in this state to support these efforts but our legislation are doing things to run people away um and it may, I, that might be very intentional. They're doing it on mm-hmm. purpose because of the mm-hmm. influx of people that have come in. Um, you know, those of us who are in Texas, like we'll know, you know, I've seen like the don't California, my Texas like bumper stickers and t-shirts everywhere. But um, I mean, as a Texas transplant, like, you know, I, I'm sure those who know me know how I feel about this and know how I feel about, you know, that kind of like patriotic, uh, like it's not even patriotic, but that like weird I don't know, like just Texas, like it's just so bizarre to me, but um, yeah, I, I think either people will leave, those who can leave will leave, uh, which is not good, um, especially when it comes to protecting and advocating for these types of policies and legislations, uh, or they will have to leave that work because, you know, we live in a capitalist society. You got to put uh, food on the table. You gotta so work. yeah, you got to work. We got to yeah. find something to do. Like, yeah, I, as a native Texan my whole life, I still don't understand why people are so obsessed with this burn state. I mean, yeah, we got pretty good food. Um, I argue Houston and whatever. Let me not get into that. Um, but I don't understand it. Um, and yeah, yeah, I have a fear. I have a fear of. Because since 2020, right, a lot of organizations have started DI departments. Don't don't get me on this. Don't don't get me. Yeah, that's a whole right. That's a whole thing we could don't have another episode on. on this. But a lot of like corporations, a lot of like leading fields have started it now. Who have been the faces of those departments? Normally, it's somebody just grabbed from marketing and put them. But let me not get into that. Um, but there has been efforts, right? well you have this happening at universities what happens after that what happens to all of the DEI offices that were started in private universities right because I feel like public what's going to stop private universities from cutting it off because I feel like private looks to public they're like okay if the public school has that we should probably get that too because like it's government mandated What's going to happen to private universities? What's going to happen to corporations? Are corporations going to be like, well, well, we don't, especially Texas-based corporations, well, they don't have it, so we don't need it either. Like, it's just- Well, and it's the legislative part of it that's even more scary, right? Because it's like, Mm -hmm. like you said, it's, and that's why I said, I don't think it's public, it's like public universities first, like this legislation, Mm -hmm. if they're passing it, Mm-hmm. They're going to do what they can to continue to pass it. It's kind of like reproductive care, right? They they banned mm-hmm. abortions. And so now, and especially in t- states like Texas that has one of the like most archaic um, anti-abortion policies out there, um, 
they um the state of Tennessee, I believe, was it, there was a bill proposed um mm-hmm. to their house legis- uh, legislative committee about um sorry, I'm like blanking. Sorry for the weird pauses. We're just there's a lot of processing going on in this episode. Um, but there was a bill proposed to their house um to uh basically ban birth control. Mm-hmm. And um I need I need to like now I'm gonna do some fact checking. Um and then the, another state was also looking to ban um IVF fertility treatments. So mm-hmm. it's it's not, you know, when people were were really stressed because they were um we knew it wouldn't stop just with abortions, right? Mm-hmm. We know that um it it doesn't they're always going to continue to do more. They're going to continue to try to take away our rights. It's so it's not just going to stop with like a public university. It's not just going to stop with DEI. It's going to continue to strip away the progress that we've made for equity, for rights in this country, um, for rights of the majority of people in this country, just a reminder, right? Like it's, it's the majority of us that it, these things impact, um, they're not going to stop. They're going to continue to try to strip, strip away those rights. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I see it as almost like it's a domino effect. The trick is just, it just rolls over and over and over. And I'm like, <sighs> sometimes I just want to scream out, mind your business, mind your, uh, like if you don't, if you don't understand reproductive justice, just sh- stop just yielding out all this mis- misinformation about these resources that people need that people rely on and it's the same thing with di if you don't understand di then just sh- go understand it understand what those offices do on on campuses and corporations and communities and then come back to me if you critical race theory if you and if you need resources there's so many books like Charmaine just gave y'all books that are accessible on Amazon you don't you don't have to have a college education a college degree to understand CRT to understand DEI um, to understand the need for reproductive justice and reproductive rights and 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 all of these initiatives you don't need a highbrow degree to understand them right do- I, but okay yeah. no sorry i'm gonna interject real fast um don't go on amazon go on our bookshop um, yeah go on our bookshop. support us yeah, don't go on amazon. <laughs> but no but you're right yes they're very accessible also it's there's a reason why these things are introduced in higher education and actually the reason that we're having these conversations why we need to introduce critical race theory and these other like complex theoretical models at a younger age or like you know not just in grad school um like in a k-12 through system which they're not by the way but if they ever need to be or in undergrad where some schools are Mm -hmm. taking the steps to introduce these programs in undergrad which i think is important is because of the misinformation and is because of the disinformation so y'all are really trying to stop it but yet you're actually advocating more of the need for this type of information Mm -hmm. um and and yeah, like Ricky said, it is you don't need a high high brow degree, but there is a reason why these were introduced on a graduate level, and you know, 
yeah, if you're if you're not really getting it, then listen to the pros, not the politicians and the legislators. Listen to the educators who are teaching this material and, mm-hmm. you know, not like in Florida, like things are being, you know, looked at because one parent brought up an issue in a school board meeting. Um, and of course, you know, who is the parent and what, it, you know, what kind of sway do they have? But yeah, it's it's mm-hmm. so much more complex than how it's being made to being made in the media okay Mm -hmm. sorry ricky continue no no you're good listen i was just like go somewhere go anywhere but yes go to our bookshop don't go anywhere go to bookshop support small local book communities using our bookshop um and yeah get these get these materials take a second read it down and and like shermaine said yes don't just listen to the politicians don't be knowing everything you have to whisper that Listen to the experts in the field, the people who have dedicated their whole lives to this, to to analyzing, to grasping this knowledge and this work. Listen to them. Like well, watch you a don't... TED Talk, watch a documentary. There's so many doc- documentaries. There's one on Netflix called Race Race in America. There's another one called um, on Amazon called Reconstruction in the U.S. Sorry, I'm just throwing these out here because they're at the top of my head. But there's documentaries. I know some people don't like reading books, Charmaine. So I'm like, yeah, no, that's it. great. That's thank you. Google Kimberly Crenshaw. Watch one of her doc, one of her TED talks. You know what I mean? Do however you need to get the information you need digested. Get it in a way that's accessible to you. That's all I'm saying. But it's knowledge. It's knowledge. Go to if you are on a public university, go to your DEI office and ask them, hey, what do you do? Why do you do it? Like get to, go on their website. Look at what they yeah, do. Yeah, I was gonna say go on their website because they're probably yeah. busy, but yeah, don't no. go to their <laughs> they're gonna be like, Ricky told me to come up here and ask me what you're I mean, that's fine. Actually, no, go go visit them. Go see the office. Go support them. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But yeah, mm-hmm. but absolutely do do your research too. But I mean, mm-hmm. listen, Ricky, you don't have to whisper. We we all know that the politicians don't. So it, just in case if y'all didn't hear that on the podcast, um, you can say a louder, Ricky. The politicians do not know what they're talking about. And and no. it's been proven time and time again, especially when it comes to reproductive justice. They were just out here talking nonsense. So it's it's yeah, I think it's so important that we kind of learn what's going on, especially if your kids are in school and if you are in Florida, please, please like read into this. Um, I'll be linking to it on our website, of course, but um, read into um, the bills that are being passed and what's going on and advocate for your community. Even if like it's doesn't have to be somebody in your own family or people that you know, but advocate for other people in your community who maybe are not able to advocate for themselves. Um mm-hmm. And or just go and support them, you know, be an ally and and enact your your activism and your allyship, um, because there's I mean, and and these laws continue to be, you know, they continue to be proposed in um, state legislation. So I was looking a little bit more into the um, Tennessee. So it's a Tennessee House Bill 1320 that. Um, uh, th- that I read about. Um that was attempting to ban birth control. So look into this a little in a little bit more detail. It's a little bit more complicated than that, but um, yeah, it it is um, attempting to legislate um, 
you know, some form of birth control, right? So I think that's mm-hmm. a really important one to watch out for. And then the, um, there is an article I saw as well that talks about the states of Kansas and Wyoming that um, are looking to impose le- or at least propose legislation that jeopardizes access to IVF and other types of um, assisted reproductive and fertilization technology. So, yeah, I think these are all really, really important things to to think about and and also to pay attention to the dog whistles, because I think now there's a lot of dog whistling about these topics. And I think at one point, maybe CRT was that I think it still is to some extent, but I think it's gotten so much more intricate and Mm -hmm. the vitriol has gotten I don't know. A smarter does not seem like the right word because I don't think it's smarter, but I think maybe more complex. Like they know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's strategic. Yeah. Strate- thank you. That's the word. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's strategic. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So I think it's really important to support educators, to support um, activists who are doing this work to educate yourself. This is not, I mean, listen, y'all, I, I do not like legal jargon is not my thing. Um, but we have to kind of do the work and figure some of this out. I'm going to make my plug for voting again. I know, I don't think I've said it so far in this season, but this is where, uh, voting in your local elections is really, really important because those local leaders, uh, make a lot of decisions, especially when it comes to on a state level. So, um, I think it's really important to pay to elections outside of presidential and just like gubernatorial and, um, you know, those elections. I think it's important to look into um, local elections as well. So, you know, mm-hmm. these are ways that we can make our voices heard. Yeah. Get involved in your community. I think wherever you live, get involved, know those representatives, know your council officials like get involved as you can because I'm pretty sure there's a university near your community (laughs) where this is affecting so get involved as much as you can wherever you are and if you need help if you need resources if you like listen I don't know here's where I am we can help you like we love engaging with the great matters community and we love answering questions that you may have and if you if we have oh my gosh Charmaine I just had a flashback we did a whole episodes about voting and voting one on one so if you need one on one insights about how to vote history of voting all of those we have we have all of those episodes you can go on anchor and search like if you search voting like if you do like command F on a Mac hybrid and you search voting it'll pull up all of our voting episodes that we have. So feel free to listen back to those for advice, but also reach out to us. If you're like, I don't know how to get involved with my community. I don't know what I can do to help with these issues, but I want to help. Reach out to us, let us know. And we would love to, we would love to point you in the right direction. If y'all are listening and you know of organizations, if you know of community officials, yeah. people that people doing the work. For, yeah, yeah drop, absolutely. Drop the info in the comments. Let us know so that we can share it out because I think sharing and knowledge is the only way to dismantle these systems that are in place and these misinformation that's like spewing out everywhere. Um, That's the only way to kind of like 
work through this. Yeah, absolutely. I'm and yeah, it's it, there is there's a lot of resources on our website, of course, graymattersblog.org. Um we I, I believe our, our anchor now that's what I wanted to mention is it's Spotify. So just oh, in case yeah, you search, sorry. yeah, it's changed. No, it's okay. I'm old school. It's I know what's an anchor. Call it anchor. Like anchor, like shit. It's now yeah, Spotify for podcasters. But I think if you search anchor um in our episode our um everything will come up. I mean, you're listening to us, so you know where to find us. Um, but yeah, get get in touch with us. Um everything is on greatmatterstheblog.org. Follow us on socials, um, give us five stars. Um, and leave a good review, like leave a nice mm-hmm. review. It really, really helps us. We're a team of two. So we want to, you know, do this work for y'all and get it out there. So um, please show us your support. The reviews really help. So if you like what we're saying and you enjoy it, um, share our podcast with somebody else that you think will too. Um, or maybe somebody that just needs to hear this. Maybe they won't like what we're saying, but they need to hear it. So that's okay. You can share that too. Um, but yeah, if you leave a review and um, leave us five stars, it really helps get our podcast out there. Um, yeah, we're based in North Texas, but this is not just North Texas podcast. This is the issues we talk about are global. So share with us where you're from. I don't think we've done that in a while. Um, if you're listening, comment on our Instagram post um, or when you leave a review, let us know where you're listening from. Um, I always like to know where everyone's tuning in from. So yeah, but that's all I have. Do you have anything else you want to add, Ricky? No, I think think that's it. I think that's a great way to end up. And like I said, if y'all want a theory-heavy episode, let us know. It might take us a minute to like... Yeah, got to put it pull, together. <laughs> put it together, but let us know, let us know, let us know. And if you have any other podcasts, um, talk about, wait, what am I saying? Episode ideas, not talk about. Let us know, leave a comment, send us a DM or email us. Um, however you want um let us know if you have any recommendations but that's all yeah. for now uh, i have and i guess until next time until we meet again until we meet again stay safe everyone bye bye thanks for listening we appreciate your support you can continue to show your support by giving the podcast a five-star review becoming a subscriber on Anchor, and following us on our website, graymatterstheblog.org, that's gray with an A, and on our socials, as well as sharing and commenting on our posts at Gray Matters the Blog on Instagram and TikTok. We want to connect with our Gray Matters community. If you have a comment or an inquiry about our customizable trainings and workshops, email us at graymatterstheblog at gmail.com. Stay safe, everyone, and we'll chat with you soon.